recently on a trip with family. I took my middle son Carter boogie boarding. That's a lot of a lot of fun, and and you know, I, I got me thinking. I wonder where they came up with the name boogie boarding. You know, maybe there was a, a meeting and like, well, we can't use surfing. We got to be something completely different. Okay, well we got well, what is it? It's it's a board, and it's it's in water. What we could call it waterboarding. Okay, no, not, not at all. That's not good at all. So, okay, we got to get completely away from that. Uh, what's, what's something fun and just completely different? I don't know, dancing? No. A boogie? Yes, boogie boarding. There we go. And so, so I'm boogie boarding with my son, Carter. And, and the thing was, he liked to go to the kind of shallow waves at first. And, and for a while, we were catching some waves. But then he thought it would be fun if we could just ride over the waves. But the problem is, is that I'm not a small person. And... That's not the joke. That wasn't a joke. That was just a statement. There's people laughing in the room. That's, I don't appreciate that. I'm now offended. Um, and so, no, I'm not, I'm not a, a small person. And so, uh, so what happened was I would be on the board and Carter would be next to me and the wave would come and he would just kind of go over it. And then because of my size, I would just kind of sink to the bottom and the wave would just hit me in the face. And like, but he was having so much fun I just stayed out there with him, and so we're sitting there floating, and, uh, and so he's having so much fun, and I'm just repeatedly getting hit in the face, <laughs> wave after wave. And it was fun in the moment with, with my kid and, and enjoying that time, but I wonder a little bit, when it comes to change, how many of us feel that we're just getting hit wave after wave, right? It seems like this past year, while I'm excited that things are starting to open up, that there were so many waves that came our way. Some small, but some maybe even in your life more like a tsunami. Tsunami, Japanese, two words that actually means harbor wave. It's a wave that is so large it takes out a harbor. And so some of us have been just facing so many difficulties in the past year and a half. Maybe you're walking through one right now, or maybe you're doing great, but you can think of a loved one who's walking through a difficult time. Well, this summer, what I want to do as we jump into some stories and books in the Old Testament, we're going to spend the next three weeks in the story of Ruth. And here is this just powerhouse woman, a woman of faith, this Moabite who just, you're going to see her incredible faith. And over these next three weeks, we're gonna see how to deal with change, how to handle difficulties, because change is unavoidable. The question is not just, will you experience change, but rather, how will you respond when the change comes? And so over the next three weeks, to give you a little preview, is that today we're gonna talk about finding trust in the midst of tragedy. We're gonna take a look at Ruth chapter one. And then next week, we're going to see about how Ruth was faithful even in the field of uncertainty. We're going to look at Ruth chapters 2 and 3. And then in week 3, we're going to see how God's provision is greater than anything we could ask for in a message that's going to be called The Lasting Legacy of Redemption. 
So I encourage you, if you're watching online or here in the room, make it a priority these next three weeks to be here every week because I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. I know for me, in preparation for this series, God's been showing me a lot and I'm happy to share with you because when I get up here to preach, for me, preaching is not just something where I speak at you, but rather an opportunity for me to share what God's doing in my life. And if God's working in my life, my prayer and hope is that God will work in your life as well. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ruth chapter one, but it's in kind of towards the beginning there. But before we jump into Ruth chapter one, I wanna give you a little bit of context of this Old Testament story. The story that we're gonna read over the next three weeks took place around 1100 BC. So 1100 years before Christ. And that seems like a long time ago, but if you think about it for a moment, here we are in 2021. So we're 2000 years past the life of Christ and now we're going about a thousand years, a little more than that, before the life of Christ. And to put it within context, actually about 300 years before this story, is actually when Moses led the Israelites out of captivity, out of Egypt. They got lost for 40 years, which is such a guy thing to do. But, um, and so they got lost for 40 years, but eventually Joshua leads them into the promised land and all is great until it's not. And so what happened was they moved into the promised land and the Israelites started following and worshiping other gods. And so in Bible terms and historical terms, between 1400 and 1100 is seen as some of the darkest times in world history. Multiple times in the book of Judges, it actually says this, I'll just quote two of them, to Judges 17, six, and then Judges 21, 25. It says, in those days, there was no king of Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So anything awful that you can imagine happened. And this is the context in which we have the story of Ruth. And so the story of Ruth, even if you're questionable about, I don't know if I believe the Bible or not, is the way it's put together is so incredibly beautiful as a piece of literature. But when you put this beauty of Ruth and her faith and obedience and her strength and her courage on the backdrop of what was actually happening in the culture of that day, it stands out even more so. And so in those days, in the book of Judges, if you ever really wanna be depressed, just read through Judges. And you wanna see the depravity of humanity, of what happens when people are left to their own devices and their own desires, and there is no justice, and there is no worship. Well, there is worship, but not of the true God. And, and so it just gets to this darkness. So there's murder, there's killing, there's, there's rape, there's all these just issues going on. And so that is the backdrop to Ruth. So then now you have all this incredible, horrible stuff going on. You add to it a famine. And here in a famine, this, this guy named Elimelech, he took his family and went 50 miles away to this town called Moab with the hopes of, okay, well, maybe they have food there. And so he leaves this little town of Bethlehem. That sounds familiar, right? We're gonna get to that in week three of why that's important. So he leaves the little town of Bethlehem where he was, and then he goes and over to Moab, but they run into some issues. So here's where we pick up our story. Ruth chapter one, verse one through five. 
in the days when the judges ruled and there was a famine in the land. In other words, when there is complete chaos everywhere. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn to the country of Moab and he, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malion and Chalion and the Epaphrodites from Bethlehem and Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and they remained there. Okay, so all's good, right? But Elimelech, husband of Naomi, died. Oh, <laughs> that took a turn really quickly. <laughs> and she was left with her two sons. Okay, that's doing pretty good. And these took Moabite wives. And the names of one of the wives was Oprah. Okay, actually it's not, it's, it's Orpah, but I really want it to be Oprah, right? Can you imagine? Just Oprah and Moab. Welcome to Moab. You get a donkey, you get a donkey. Okay. Sorry, this is how my mind works, okay. <laughs> so you've got Orpah, and then the name of the other is Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. Then both Malion and Chalion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons her husband. So, wow. So you're in a land of chaos. You're in a famine. You move to this land, Moab. Your husband dies. Your sons get married. The sons die. Now what? So now you're left with three characters. You got Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth. And we're gonna see these three characters today in a very sharp contrast of how they responded to tragedy. But you're gonna see this contrast in light of reality, meaning my heart actually goes out to Orpah and to Naomi and to Ruth. It's not like one person was just complete rejection of God and it was, it was horrible. You, you can actually see where they landed and how they got there. But you're also gonna see a clear right choice of how to find trust in the midst of tragedy. So what were some of the challenges facing Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth? Well, first, the obvious one is physical. There was a famine. There's no supermarkets, okay? So when the food is gone, people die. So there was, that was the whole reason they went to Moab. Now, they should have known that going to Moab was probably not the best place to go because Moab was actually the long descendants of Lot. If you, if for people who know the Old Testament, you have Abraham and Lot. And so in Genesis, I want to say it's Genesis 19 verses 30 to 38 is where Moab was founded. And Moab was founded by Lot through a series of incest. That's how the town started. Not a great start. Okay, so Moabites was seen as a super pagan land. And so they had the physical challenge of a famine. But next, they had in there, they had the spiritual challenge. So started from some horrible situations and for hundreds of years now, were worshiping pagan gods. And so they were battling things physically. They were battling things spiritually, 
little crazy to think that Bethlehem, which means house of bread, experienced a famine, and Elimelech, whose mean, name means my God is king, but instead of being faithful in that moment, trusting God to provide, said, nope, I'm gonna provide for my family, and he leaves, and then now there's famine there too. So they had physical challenges, they had spiritual challenges, but then next, they had emotional challenges. If you've ever experienced the loss of a loved one, I don't, I don't know how you respond. Because you don't, you don't snap back from that. You're, you're forever changed, aren't you? For those that have lost a loved one. You're forever changed and marked by that. You can move forward, but you'll never go back to how it was. And that's how tragedy works. You know, tragedy, it, you start out here, something tragic happens, and you go down here. And the reality is, is you can never get back to how things were, right? But thankfully, even though you can't get back to how things were, God can take you to somewhere new. It's more different to make you stronger for what is to come. Here's another thing that you don't, I didn't really think about until I became a parent. So they were married, the, the sons were married for, two, for 10 years. They didn't have kids. So back then, kids meant inheritance and lineage and legacy and prominence. And so it was super important to have kids. So they actually struggled with infertility. So for Orpah and for Ruth, they lost their father-in-law, they lost their husband, and they didn't have any kids in the process. And so they, they struggled with that emotionally with infertility as well. And so they had a physical challenge, they had a spiritual challenge, they had an emotional challenge, and then they had a, a mental challenge of just simply, what in the world are we going to do? Because this is judges. This is the land where if you traveled by yourself, you were probably gonna get beaten up, things done to you. This is where people could come take your land and if you can't defend yourself, <laughs> you're in trouble, what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna report to? There really was no king, there wasn't really established law. So what, what do you do? Everyone's out for themselves. And so here you have Orpah and Naomi and Ruth and going, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? So let's keep reading. You guys encouraged yet? <laughs> Stay with me here. Verse eight, but Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, okay, go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal with you kindly. May he show you love and provision as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord that grant that you may find rest, that each of you in the house of her husband and she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept together. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. We'll go back to Bethlehem. But Naomi said, no, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Now this sounds like a really weird verse, but you have to understand in those days that if a husband died, it was the responsibility then of a brother to step in and carry on the family name. And so it's like, I, I'm, I'm too old to have kids. Like I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any more children for you to marry. Like nothing's gonna happen. It says, if I should 
Um, it says, once again, she says, turn back my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say that I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore just wait till these babies grow up and they're grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, meaning she kissed her goodbye and went back. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods and return after your sister-in-law. Now, what's interesting about that word clung is, is a, it's the same word, if you, if you think of the Genesis account where it says, when they're talking about how a man and woman should leave their father and mother and cling together, or cleave together and become one. So this idea of clung to or cling to is an extreme expression of loyalty. And so you have these three characters, Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth. And you're gonna see three very different responses to tragedy. So the first, Orpah. Orpah responds to tragedy being broken. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's her family, but it wasn't her family. Like she married in, struggled with infertility, and then her husband dies. It's not my faith, not my people. Like she committed, she went a little ways. She started walking with Naomi. But after the third time that Naomi said, no, seriously, go back. She goes, I got nothing left, okay. She's not mad at Orpah, right? But you can see how she would get there, don't you? They're just broken, she got nothing left. That's how you can respond to tragedy. We all watching online or here in person know someone who's responded to tragedy by simply being broken, right? Then you have Naomi. Naomi actually would go on and she would change her name. Her name, Naomi means God is pleasant. And she would change her name to Mara, which means bitter. <laughs> she literally changed her name to bitter. And that's another understandable response to tragedy, isn't it? When something bad happens, when something tragic happens, it's very easy to get angry at God. If you've ever had the metaphorical fist in the air to God, God, how could you? Why? Why would a good God fill in the blank? We all have stories like that, don't we? How could God, if God is good, allow this, she becomes bitter. So you can see a response of being broken. You can see a response of being bitter. But I wanna encourage you, there's a third and better way. And it's Ruth. Ruth the Moabite, not the Jewish woman, not the religious, pious, Woman, not the educated wife of a Pharisee, political ruler, grew up in the church, 
woman. No, this is the woman who has every possible reason not to believe in God, but it's her courage and her faith that now here we are 3,000 years later and she has a book in the Bible named after her for her story and her response. We're not reading the book of Orpah. We're not even reading the book of Naomi. We're reading the book of Ruth. And it's because of her response. How did she respond? Let's read it. Here in, starting in verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I go. Think of the Carol King song, you know, the Gilmore Girls theme song. Where you go, I will follow. Every... Okay. Come on, come on now. You, you've seen Gilmore Girls, okay? I'm not the only one. Don't give me that look, okay? You felt the tension between Lorelai and Luke. I'm just saying, you felt the tension, you know, all right? So Ruth say, no, where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And this last phrase here, think of the context. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. And then chapter one finishes by showing back up to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest season. It lasts about two months. And what's interesting is that the barley harvest, the harvest, the spring harvest, represents both physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally a new season. So yes, no husband, <laughs> No sons, no food, no land, no house. But I'm gonna go. So how can you respond to tragedy? Well, you can be broken like Orpah. You can be bitter like Naomi. Or you can choose to be brave. You can be brave. Turn to your neighbor and turn to them and say, be brave. I'm telling you, if you're walking through the fire right now, if you're walking through a difficult circumstance, I don't know all the details, but what I do know is that you have the opportunity to change the narrative and the story for legacies and generations to come if right now in the middle of this moment you choose to be brave. I want you to write this down either on your phone or note somewhere. I want you to write this down that when you get hit by a wave, choose to be brave. When you get hit by a wave, choose to be brave. Change is unavoidable. 
but how you respond is up to you. And because of Ruth's bravery, we have a story that shaped literally world history, but we'll get to that in week three. But it started with her being brave. The title of this morning's message is Finding Trust in the Myths of Tragedy. Let me give you just a good definition of trust. Trust can be defined as the confidence you have in one's character and competence. Trust is the currency of every relationship, isn't it? It's the air we breathe. It's the money we spend in the relationships. You, every relationship needs trust. If you do not have trust, it will not work. Friendships, parent, child, siblings, coworkers, boss, employees, marriage, any relationship requires trust. And trust is your level of confidence in the other one's character and competence. In other words, do you trust that person? Because a situation comes up, a gap comes up between what was said and what was done. And now you have a choice. Do you trust them or not? And if you have high character and you trust in their competence, their ability, then you can move forward. Okay, think of this definition now and think about what it comes to trusting God in the midst of tragedy. And ask yourself, what is your level of confidence in God's first character? Not circumstance, it's not confidence in your circumstance, it's confidence in character. Okay, I know this is bad, but God, you are good. You are holy. And then the next thing, competence. How powerful is God? You see, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all-loving, and so you can have complete trust and confidence in God as your provider. God is your savior. God is your redeemer because he is perfect, he is holy, and he loves you. So when your circumstances are bad, put your trust and your confidence in God's character and his competence. And say, God, I don't know what's gonna happen here, but you do, so I will take that step. Ruth didn't respond to tragedy and said, I have a 15-step plan of how we're gonna respond and get ourselves out. We're gonna start a business, right? We're gonna set up a booth. It's gonna be called Ruth's Booth, and we're gonna sell some stuff, and it's gonna be great. We're gonna start our own business. It's gonna be awesome. No, well, all she says is, I don't know. But God does, and that's enough. So Ruth lost everything. She lost her family, she lost her land, she lost relationship. But instead of focusing on what she didn't have, she focused on what she had. And what did she have? Well, one, she had life. A lot of people were dying. She had life. Two, she had God. She had come to see the God of Israel as the one true God. And then three, she had Naomi. She had family. And for her, that was enough to be brave. 
what do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life? Not what was taken, but what is there, what is present. Let me give you three practical ways to be brave this week. Number one, talk with gratitude. Who's in your life? Not who are the 10 people who left you, who is the one who stayed by your side? Who is there? What do you have? You might have lost your job, but you have a house. You might have lost your house, but you have a car. really hard to be grateful and worried at the same time. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying it's really hard to be grateful and worried at this exact same moment. So if you're worried, try focusing on what you have. So talk with gratitude. Number two, then, is to walk with grit. Life is not easy. And we know it. We know it, but we don't. Does that make sense? We know it. Like, no one wants to watch an easy movie. Like, that's not fun. Like, you go to the movie theater, and it's just like a couple that's already together. And like, they just go through life, and it's all happy, and you got the promotion, and then the, the, the movie ends, right? Like, there's no movie called The Peace Agreement. Like, there's no war, and like, they just get along. Oh, it's great. Like, the conflict makes the movie, okay? Well, conflict is gonna shape your life. Nobody, nobody said it was easy. But yet we want that. So instead, choose to walk with grit, perseverance, and courage. So talk with gratitude, walk with grit, and lastly, live for glory. That's what Ruth did. He's, he, she didn't say, I don't know, we're done. She said, your God is my God. And I don't know what's gonna happen, but he's got this. And that's enough. 1818, there was a little boy named Louis whose father made harnesses for horseback riding and other leather products and stuff. And so he wanted to learn the trade. And so a little kid, he went into the workshop and he tried to work on a piece of leather and start hammering with an awl. Like, looks like a screwdriver, but it's just a point. Problem was he hit it, flipped up, took out his eye. Small child lost his eye. And the other eye became infected. And so at a young age, here is this child who could see completely blind. Fast forward a little bit. He's outside, someone hands him a pine cone, a tree, can't see anything, but his fingers are pretty sensitive. And so he starts feeling all the differences on the little marks of the pine cone. He's like, huh, I got an idea. And he goes, he takes an awl, the same instrument that took out his eye, and he starts pounding 
little dots. And he would create the first recognized alphabet and language for blind people. And Louis Braille forever changed how blind people can understand the world. That is someone who took a tragedy and responded and shaped the world with his response. And you can do it too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, for those that are walking through difficult times right now, I pray that you would bring them comfort, bring them courage. God, help us not to respond and be broken like Orpah. Help us not to become bitter like Naomi. But instead, help us to be brave like Ruth. Help us to talk with gratitude, to not focus on what we don't have, but on what and who we do have. God, help us to walk with grit and courage and perseverance to overcome. God, help us then to live for your glory and not ours. Because God, we want you to work in our lives. We want you to be present. We trust you with everything that we have. We have complete confidence in your character and in your competence. And while I don't know the future, God, you do, and that is enough. And so we give our circumstances and our trials and our issues to you today. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us here in the room? If you're watching online, find a quiet place and just take this to respond, saying that, yes, God, I will. I will believe in you. I will trust in you. I will give everything I have to you. Will you respond to him this morning?